Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, you know how podcasts work. If you use the Stitcher app, it's listed there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. My preference, personally, is Apple, but, you know, wherever we'll leave a review, I'll take it. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. The Twitter account is myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about in today's episodes. There's a blog over there. There's some other posts. Check it out. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com, and I'll get back to you ASAP. This is the week. Philly Sketchfest is finally here. We'll kick it off with the fourth annual Sketch Comedy Film Festival on Wednesday night at the PFS Roxy Theater. Then Thursday and Friday, live shows begin at the Philly Improv Theater. We head to the Rubik Club for three more shows on Saturday. And then we close out the week with three final shows at Underground Arts on Sunday. In the middle of all of that, we have the podcast mixer with a live sketch nerds hosted by our friends in Bad Medicine and my first sketch at Tattooed Mom on Saturday afternoon. Starts at 2 o'clock, get there a little early, have a drink, grab a taco or two. Sketch nerds will start at 2.30. My first sketch will start at 3.30. We have acts from Philadelphia, Toronto, Edmonton, New York City, Virginia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., North Carolina, and Chicago all converging for the funniest weekend of the year. And speaking of Chicago, today's guest is Rose Amer, currently a member of Rosemary's Other Baby, based in Chicago, Illinois. Rosemary's Other Baby is coming to Philly Sketch Fest on Friday, May 31st, in the 7 p.m. block, along with Milwaukee and Savage. Both of those are from New York City. Rose's first sketch is called Super Gay. Rose reads the role of Joni and Tina Borshin. I read the announcer, a variety of bystanders and bros, and I'll give you all the visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Super Gay. The scene opens on a young cafe employee, Joni, cleaning up at closing time. Right this second, in a city not so far away, our young heroine is mopping up overpriced wheatgrass juice in a Brooklyn cafe. This is Joni James. By day, a simple waitress working for the man. By night, still just a waitress. Hey, Joni, you're off the clock, kid. Get out of here. See you tomorrow, Joe. In debt and fresh out of college, Joni's life seemed altogether unremarkable. Except for one rather remarkable thing. Joni stops in her tracks. Her rainbow senses are tingling. Oh, no. Joni rushes to the door and knocks. A man opens the door and Joni rushes inside. Hey, what do you think you're doing? Get the hell out of my house. Sorry, I have to go back into the closet. It's an emergency. Uh, no. Get out of my house? Joni runs into the hallway closet, shuts the door behind her. Hey, um, excuse me, but please leave? Because the when the world needs her most, Joni James is... Bam! The closet door bursts open, an explosion of glitter. Super gay! Hey, are you going to clean this up? 
Joni is fully dressed in a Pussy Riot t-shirt, denim vest, denim cutoffs, rainbow tights and suspenders, Doc Martens, and a ton of body glitter. Ever since that faithful day during the Pride Parade in 20, 2009, when a drag queen named Tina Borshin pushed her into Hudson River, Joni has been super gay. Joni flies into the skies. It's a bird! It's a plane! No! It's a homosexual! Joni runs through the streets, following her rainbow senses. I think a gaby's in trouble. I'm on my way, little one. Help! Someone help! Who you yelling for, wuss? Yeah, no one here to save you. Now give us your lunch money. <laughs> white hetero male one reaches out to caress white hetero male's two's cheek. Nice, bro. A longing glance, a heavy breath, their lips so close the earth itself aches with tension. White hetero male number two looks deeply into white hetero male number one's eyes, whispering. No homo. Did someone say homo? Jenny goes to fight them, stumbles when she smells something awful. Ugh, what's that overpowering stench? Axe body spray for men. Oh no, they've been convinced by the corporate advertisers that this scent will somehow make them feel loved. Yeah, we're going to sleep with so many women. We haven't yet, but we will. Yep, lots of them, probably, because that's what it says on the back of the can. And capitalism is a system of free enterprise based on honesty and property and today. Jenny goes into fight, and she ch- but she chokes on the smell. Uh, I, I can't. It's too much. The drag queen, Tina Borshin, comes to her rescue. Need a hand, little lady? Tina, the smell I can't fight. You just sit back and relax and let Tina Borshin do her thing. Tina Borshin performs a heart-stopping rendition of Cher's Believe. She throws so much glitter on them that the smell of their Axe body spray is masked. Joni slowly gets up, getting stronger again. Tina, I think it's working. Take it away, honey. You boys ready to rumble? We can't fight a girl. But I'm not just a girl. I'm a lesbian. Joni goes in. Kapow! Right in the chin. Bro! Kablam! Straight to the gut. Bro! Whammy! What a knockout! This is totally going to kill the lacrosse team's chemistry. The white hetero males lie in a heap defeated. Wow, you saved me. You're my hero. You bet your little gay town the musical butt she is. I think we better get you home, little gaby. They walk off into the triumphant sunset. This concludes the adventures of Super Gay, saving the world one gay at a time. Hey, Rose. Hey, Josh. How's it going? All right. So, uh, you sent me a sketch with a ton of rolls. Mm-hmm, uh, so, <laughs> so where does this come from? Uh, tell me about writing super gay. Yeah. Um, it has kind of a whirlwind origin. Um, my sister does a lot of queer educational content, um, and then includes like children's media. 
and they had this idea for like a Sunday morning cartoon called Super Gay. It was basically this person, Joni, um, who is like a superhero whose superpowers are um, that they have like those rainbow senses and stuff like that. Um, and they asked me to like write in like an episode for a Sunday morning cartoon. And I started um, and it quickly like really devolved into <laughs> something kind of grosser and dirtier. <laughs> Um, and I realized that it was not for kids. I, I was okay. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I wrote it into a sketch instead for this um, sketch writing class I was in at the Pit uh, in New York. And okay. yeah, and they just did. A, I've never seen it like actually performed on stage. I've just seen it like done as a staged reading. Mm. Um, and. It was the first sketch I ever wrote, so all the limitations of like being on stage are clearly missing from this sketch. But uh, that's kind of where it came from, where it, how it started. Well, I mean, now that you've mentioned that it was written originally as a as a Saturday morning Sunday morning cartoon, mm-hmm. it makes way more sense to me. Yeah, than, yeah, than a staged thing. Yeah, 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 um, and. In this sketch class I was in, um, my teacher showed us uh, the ambiguously gay duo, that old mm-hmm. SNL sketch, and I was like, "Oh, duh, that's what I'm writing." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it it really took a, a hard left turn away from children's show <laughs> yeah, yeah. to what it is now. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned uh, doing a class at, at the pit. Uh, mm-hmm. when and with who was the teacher? Um, my teacher was Chris Aurelio, um, who was at the time uh, working there as well, um, like as, as a staff member in their office. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was the summer of, oh God, 2017 or so. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, I interned at uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And then Ooh. the summer after that, I worked at The Pit. Um, okay. And those were both um, pretty wonderful and formative experiences. Nice. Um, so are you originally from New York or did you just study in New York? Yeah, or? yeah I'm, I'm originally yeah, born and raised in New York. Um, and now I'm based out of Chicago. Time being. Uh, what what made that decision to go to Chicago? Uh, well, so I went to uh, Northwestern, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump away from actual Chicago proper. Okay, so you uh, born and raised in New York, but you went to, okay, but going yeah. to school and okay, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of made you know spending my summers in in New York easier, um, which was really great for those internships. I think a lot of people. That's that's a huge barrier to being able to do those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I imagine an unpaid internship does not very bode well with the no, real estate costs really and yeah <laughs> of New York City. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, before we get to the present, let's go all the way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, earliest memories of comedy. What made oh, you wow. laugh growing up? Um, I mean, the thing that was. I think the most important to me as like a, a, 
a youth, a teen, was The Office, um, the, the American version. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember like Thursday was my favorite day of the week and <laughs> like I could not wait. My family would all watch it together. I have such a vivid visceral memory of that cold open where the, the parkour cold open where Michael mm. and Andy and Dwight are doing parkour everywhere. And then <laughs> right before the like office uh, thing pulls up on the screen, uh, Andy jumps like into a refrigerator, like an empty refrigerator box. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just without knowing that it was, he was going to fall right through. Um, and I just remember being completely beside myself. I was like, so I was like, we have to watch that 12 more times. And I made everybody rewind um, the TV or whatever and, and, and rewatch it. I just, I love that show so much. Um, I still do. I, I think I've seen it all the way through, like maybe four times, but um but yeah, only four. Yeah, I mean, as, I like all the way completely through, probably four <laughs> times. But like, like bits and pieces of it, like dozens more. Is that like your go-to, like white noise in the background show? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Because I, I think there's a joke in my family that my one nephew mm-hmm. is has rewatched The Office four or five times, and like, yeah, I. There's a part of me that I, I I joke to him like watch something else like there's tons yeah. of other things. <laughs> Meanwhile, I I'm sitting watching Bob's Burgers like yeah, it's oh, constantly on for me. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, all right. So you're a little bit younger than I am for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to hear that you mentioned that like Thursday nights were your favorite nights because even for myself growing up, mm-hmm. that Thursday nights for NBC was always oh comedy. God. Yeah, like, it's huge. And there like, was a brief period of time when Thirty Rock and The Office were on at the same time, right? They on the same night for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they like overlapped. Um, yeah, it was definitely like a big, <laughs> felt like a big deal Thursday. Because <laughs> like even going back historically, like it was Cheers, then mm-hmm. Seinfeld, then Friends. Friends, yeah. Like and then with. Like in the 2000s when mm-hmm. TV completely exploded and there became yeah. 400 channels. Uh-huh. Like I don't think the audience ever really was huge for The Office in the way that yeah. it was for Seinfeld or Friends. Yeah, because it fractured all this. Yeah. Um, but like it's the like audience. The Office was still a cultural touchstone for everyone though. Yeah. Like, Yeah, it definitely feels like a huge thing. Um, like okay. and then... I mean, it's everywhere. It's one of those shows that's now everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. I'm seeing commercials for being on. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you have them in Chicago. Like, I'm sure you have them in Chicago, but like where they're hitting. But like, those dumb digital only channels that are like, yeah. just offshoots of the the regular network channels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like cozy. Like no one yeah. knows what cozy is. It's just know. reruns. But yeah, the the office is now also on cozy and. Yeah. For some reason, County Central is always playing stuff about the office on their Instagram, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's yeah. crazy how these. It a, yeah, it has a huge life beyond the actual time that it was on TV. Uh, so, how do you get to the point of like 
wanting to do comedy? Um, that's a, yeah. For a long time, it didn't, it like never occurred to me as a thing that was possible to do, um, professionally or, or otherwise. Like I never thought of myself as, as a person, like I was never the class clown or, or the funniest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister was uh, doing a lot of theater. Um, and so I never felt like I had the right to claim, you know, a, being a performer. Um, so growing up, you didn't? Thing. Yeah, not at all. Um, hmm. And then I got to college and I thought I wanted to be a biology major. And um, within the first quarter, I was like, oh, I'm bad at math. <laughs> um, and that and like I failed a couple of classes and I was like, wow, this sucks. I'm not good at this thing that I thought I really wanted to do. Um, <laughs> um, and, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like whatever <laughs> uh, biology is one of those college things because like, like mm-hmm. I, I'm I, like truthfully, I'm a college dropout. And one mm-hmm. of the last straws for me was having to take a science. Yeah. And I, for some reason in some, bit of stupidity or arrogance mm-hmm. or something i decided that biology 101 was the right choice <laughs> mm-hmm. and looking back 10 years later it was not yeah i mean i knew that right away yeah. but like yeah because I, my biology 101 they he want like my professors wanted us to like learn all right what is it? it's kingdom phylum mm-hmm. genus yeah king philip oh yeah cl- class genus there was mm-hmm. a certain level that he wanted us to to know all of that and like the like right the characteristics yeah, of that level about, like yeah plants and stuff like you and that was most. yeah and as a film major that was nothing mm-hmm. I had even remote interest in yeah yeah like so um, yeah so uh, and and I I mean I I quickly realized that like I wasn't going to be able to do like organic chemistry or like comp like complicated calculus or anything like that um so I I, you know felt a little lost for a little while not sure what I wanted to do and I um ended up taking some English and film classes um and that's what I ended up uh majoring in uh and I the summer before I got to college um I worked for this film producer just by coincidence. Like at the time I, I thought I was going to be a biology major. Like I really thought that I was going to go into the sciences, but it was like a friend of my neighbors and it was something to do over the summer. And, you know, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So I did it. Um, and then my freshman year happened and I, all my dreams were shattered and um, <laughs> I needed to figure something else out. And that was when I applied to Late Night um, because I had done this production role the summer prior um, and then was finally starting to take some film classes and stuff. And and I was like, why not? And my... um, I I know John Lutz through um, his wife, Sue Galloway, went to grad school with my mom. Uh, they were all like in uh, a graduate theater program together. Um, That's kind of cool. 
Yeah. And so at the time, Late Night with Seth Meyers was brand spanking new. Like, I think they started like the February or March before um, I got there in June. So okay. it was like very fresh. Um, and I saw that John was going to be on the writing staff. Um, so I reached out to him and I sent him my stuff and I went through the interview process and I got it. And it was like, like the second I walked through those glass doors, everything clicked. I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, these, there was just something about the energy. I mean, it's, it's hard not to, I guess you walk off the elevators at 30 rock and you know, there's this big, you know, glass doors and this big, beautiful sign that says late night with Seth Meyers. And, you know, at the time, the people who were working there was like, it was like Michelle Wolf and Connor O'Malley and Chioke Nasser and, and all these really fucking cool people. Um, and I just felt like I found it, like <laughs> I figured it out. Um, and, you know, down the hall from SNL too, it was like an insane way to jump into the deep end. Um, and I, I absolutely loved working there. Um, and like, I know it was an internship, but I'd do it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> like tomorrow if I had the chance. Uh, so yeah, it really, it really like shifted the tectonic plates in a huge way for me. Um, and then after that, like I got back to college in the fall and was just sort of like, uh, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, 45 minute train ride from second city. Um, you know, I might as well take an improv class, you know, if that's what they all did. So let's start there. Um, and yeah, I, d I did the whole A through E program and, um, and I actually, I graduated from the second city A through E program on the same day that I graduated college. So it was like two for one. <laughs> um, so did you mm -hmm. do, you mentioned doing, um, a sketch class at Pitt. Mm -hmm. Is that in the middle of the, of your time? Like how did, how does that space out with the the classes at Second City? Like the September after I came back from late night, I took uh, one improv class, just the level A class at Second City, and then I went uh, abroad. I studied abroad for part of my junior year, um, okay. and then that summer I worked at the Pit um, in New York, and then when I came back, okay, that so it was okay. I finished the program, so it wasn't like a it was a little. Okay, so it wasn't eight, you know, A through E, and then to Pit. It was a mm -hmm. the Pit at home, and then the rest of and then the rest. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um. So, uh, before we jump into you know back mm -hmm. and forth from Second City and the Pit, mm -hmm. I ask everybody. I'm always curious. You worked at mm -hmm. Late Night with Seth Meyers. Mm -hmm. Seth Meyers is a huge figure in Saturday Night Live history. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live? Well, I'm, I can't say, do you like, who is your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Um, I do have a real soft spot for Seth. I, I, um, I, I mean, I know he's not like one of the ones that people think of, but, um, he just has a, a way of, of like holding on to his intelligence while also, um, 
like leaning into really silly stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I he doesn't think of, or as far as I'm aware, doesn't really think of himself as an actor. Um, and I wouldn't really call him that either, but, um, I just think he's so smart and, um, so good at his job. Um, but uh, other than Seth, um, I'm a big uh, A.D. Bryant fan. Um, I really love uh, that she's also been able to kind of carve out her own voice, uh, I think, within the show, but um, also just as a comedian. I'm not, like, a huge SNL person. I am sorry if that's, like, really blasphemous, but um, just coming up through Chicago, I I think a lot of people... uh, experience kind of a bumpy road and like desperately trying to get SNL mm-hmm. um and so it creates kind of a weird competitive energy that I I'm <laughs> not in love with uh so so from 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 that perspective I've kind of like drifted um from watching it or engaging with it but um I still think so many brilliant and and when I worked at late night I I would just sometimes if I had like a free moment and the pages would let me uh just like go and literally stand in 8h because they're <laughs> off in the summer so like they weren't like yeah. using the studio or anything yeah, but I would just, just like truly just like stand in the middle of the room and just stare around just like look around for like 10 minutes um so it it has like a gravitas that um I I think is really cool, but yeah. Yeah. I've never been like in 30 rock. Like I've never done the tours or anything Mm -hmm. and I've never done, I've never, obviously I've never seen a Saturday Night Live live. There's a part of me that feels Mm -hmm. like if I ever go into that space, like since I've created such a mythology of Saturday Night Live in my head, like I'll just be like, Oh my God, the entire time. Like, yeah. Just like a giddy little boy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I experienced that, and I'm not even, like, that hardcore into SNL. Um, so it definitely, like, yeah, that kind of feeling, like, is vibrating off the walls in that place. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. Um, okay, so uh, after interning with Seth mm-hmm. at, or, you know, late night, we'll say, um, <laughs> Cause I imagine you weren't really like working right under Seth at all. Like in that time you were probably errands yeah, well, and general <laughs> yeah, I mean, intern like stuff. A, yeah. I was like a general production intern, but it's a pretty small staff. So like mm. he's definitely around, but yeah, no, not like reporting directly to him. And then like, uh, I mean, you talked about like Seth not feeling performer. I have a theory mm-hmm. and I think well, I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. But I have a theory that once Lauren finally oh, he decides to hang it up, it. it's yeah. Seth's job. Like yeah, Seth no. is the the like he's just in late night, just to just wait. to keep an office for himself yeah. for yeah. in the building. until yeah. Lauren's ready. Yeah, like uh, that's a hundred percent real. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned it with uh, I think the episode that. I mean, as we're recording, I think it went up like yesterday or something. Like mm-hmm. we had a full conversation of like my whole theory of like the next five years <laughs> of like Lily Singh just took over the yeah. the one thirty spot to get her ready for the twelve thirty spot, so uh-huh. that when Lauren's ready to leave, <laughs> Seth will move. You know, move down the all 
down the street yeah. a little bit down the like the hallway yep. lily singh will take over 12 30 and <laughs> all right all will be right in the world but yeah <laughs> um yeah for whatever reason like in the yeah in stuff that i've heard about like seth like once he became a writer on the show mm-hmm. on that saturday night live his comfort level immediately shifted and he was like oh okay this is yeah this is how this works now yeah like some people just are are more writers than they are performers and some people are are the opposite mm. um all right so chicago mm-hmm. let's talk yeah. about the second city training uh center yeah um so I, I did, yeah, the A through E program, and then I took some scenic improv classes as well. And then about a year ago, I finished the conservatory program. Um, and I mean, like, I'd be nowhere without the training center, you know, because that's that's mm-hmm. where most people start. Um, and it's it's really accessible, and and a lot of their teachers are wonderful, but also. Um, there's a certain degree of, uh, there's a certain degree to which it's like just kind of a branded experience now. Um, so, you know, I've had my issues with it as well, but, um, yeah, it really gave me a lot of like stage time, a lot of like audition practice. Cause they do the training center in particular does like, uh, these things called like sketch cast or, um, like you can perform in, uh, a, one of the, the writing programs shows like people who are taking writing classes at the end of their program will put up a show and you can audition to be in those um, or like coached ensembles. It was like an improv thing, but actually Rosemary's other baby who um, is going to Philly sketch fest uh, was originally like a sketch cast group from the second city training center. So we all like auditioned and we sent in a sketch and they put us uh, together um, in this group. Uh, actually, they, it was two separate groups. Um, so myself and Bo Feeney and Amanda Hoffman were put into one group. Uh, and then a handful of people from uh, our team were put into another group. And we just got like a month of shows. And there were three teams. We each got 20-minute sets. Um, we got a director we got to work with. It was it was, it was really useful. I mean, it was like a really useful opportunity to, to just write some stuff and put it on stage and people came to the shows. It was nice. And then, you know, for a month we got to watch this other team on stage and we were like, Hey, they're really good. And also we're pretty good. So maybe (laughs) we should just be a team together. Um, so we did. And, and here we are a couple of years later, we've had some, you know, um, personnel changes but other than that like it's been really fun and, and it and it came out of the training center so so i think you're the first like i've talked to a couple of people that have gone through the second city program in toronto mm-hmm. i think you're the first person i've talked to mm-hmm. that's done it in chicago yeah um you know the original home, like the mm-hmm. original home of second city yeah uh and i i've been to chicago twice in my life and they've always mm-hmm. been like just layovers of going somewhere else mm-hmm. but i always go to a second city show mm-hmm. when i'm in chicago yeah and it always it's very noticeable that the second city reviews every you know mm-hmm. i don't i forget how long the review you know lasts yeah. on stage 
it's a very different experience than any other sketch show. Yeah. To me, like it's very, it's much more theatrical. Yeah. Like it's treated as if it's like legitimate theater. Right. Compared to, you know, Rosemary's other baby or mm-hmm. any of the other sketch comedy teams in Philadelphia. I mean, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I had never heard that about Second City doing these sketch casts mm-hmm. where they're basically helping create their own independent sketch teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I think that's really cool. I, I had never heard of that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't it, know that they did that. Yeah. There are so many of these like opportunities that they, that they put out that are really great, especially when you're first getting started. Cause like, I mean, for me, like I didn't do any theater or anything in college. Um, so I graduated having done like a grand total of like maybe 20 minutes of stand up. Um, and like a, a couple of like weird improv workshops in the basement of some college like lecture hall or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And, and was still like, Oh yeah, I can do, I can do this. Like I can be a comedian. Like I had no evidence to suggest that that was something <laughs> that I could do, but I still thought I could do it. And, and like it was only until I got these experiences from the training center that like I was actually able to be like, oh, I this is this does feel fun and this does feel good and I do want to do it. Um and and uh, you know, without those I, I I wouldn't have this team and I wouldn't be going to Philly Sketchfest. So <laughs> it all kind of works out. So you go to the like in the middle of all this you actually go to you go to the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh to take a sketch writing class, mm-hmm. how do you see the difference, or how does it enhance the like doing both a class at, at the Pit in New York mm. and going through the system of Second City? Yeah, I mean Second City's bread and butter, like their product is sketch from improv, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is not what the Pit was teaching me. You know, like the Pit Mm-mm. is, you know. Ali Faranakian, you know, who wrote for SNL and Conan and um, all these places, like that's his theater. And and so their way of getting to sketch is totally different. Um, you know, it's more of just like, let's sit down and write and then read it and then rewrite it and then reread it and then rewrite it again. Um, so, I, I mean, it's... I, for me, like, especially in the early years, it was so helpful just to sit in a position and observe, like, all the possibilities, just to try everything I could get my hands on, because I didn't know whether or not I would like it or whether or not I wanted to do certain things. So I was like, why not give it a try and see how it feels? Um, and ultimately, like, I I don't like writing from improv. I I think for me personally, it feels like, you know, I don't quite improvise and I'm not quite writing. Like I'm a little in between both. Um, Mm. And it's like bad improv and (laughs) bad sketch. But um, like for a lot of people, that's 
that's the best way for them to do it. And that's not to say that like I, I do an improv show and, and I'm like, that was funny and I could write that into a sketch. Like I, I have the right to do that <laughs> and I do it sometimes. And I, and I, and as someone who's not a huge, huge improv, improv person, person yeah. that's how I want you to do it is mm-hmm. if you're going to improv, at least yeah. hold on to some nugget that you've come upon yeah. in that show. Yeah. I definitely, there are like, chapters and phases in the last couple of years where like I was only doing a lot I was mostly doing improv and like you know you do that for long enough and it feels so dissatisfying because you're like at the end it's fun and I love it but I I come home and there's nothing in my hands you know like I have nothing (laughs) to show for myself Uh, unless you were (laughs) in the room you know it's just so hard my Grinch improv heart grew three sizes yeah. when you said that because it's just like, thank you. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it's really true. And and I mean, that's part of the beauty of improv is that it gets to live and then die in that moment. And you have to be as present as humanly possible um, in order to do it well. But also that, that, I can't, I can't live with only that. Like that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Um, yeah, yeah. I like I've heard people like improv people talk about like the magic of like this is only going to happen once. I was like, ew, no. <laughs> like hold on to it. Let's let's yeah, play with this I, a little bit more. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm totally. So yeah, um, but it's it's interesting because every time you know I've been through a training center anywhere, like at IO or. Second City or CIC, which is an, another theater out here. It's like they all have their their own philosophy and their own, um, you know, thing that they're trying to teach you or, or you know, philosophy that they're trying to instill in you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's kind of about picking apart what I'm given from these places and taking what's useful to me um, and and growing from there because I don't, I mean, the reason that all of these theaters exist is because like not one of them has the right answer. Like they're all right in their own way. Um, you know, the thing that, you know, whatever the annoyance is doing is so different from what second city is doing. And they're both totally valid. Um, and they create homes for people and, you know, places where people can, um, you know, fit their voice into, but, like the longer I stayed at second city, the less I, I was like, okay, this, this philosophy isn't, isn't for me anymore or it's, it's Mm. not serving me anymore. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it it was so helpful to me in so many ways, like with sketch cast and, in, um, and, and getting opportunities to be on stage and like, you know, I think my level E show was like on the main stage, which was so cool. Um, but you know, after a while it's like, oh, they, (laughs) you know, I, I felt so lost, like not, not quite being able to do improv and not quite being able to write, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they, they don't like, even though they're main stage or ETC, for the most part, they don't write the sketches out like they have archival sketches which like someone will go back and type up like what Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch and Scott Adsit were saying on stage in the 90s but yeah. like for the most part they don't have 
fully written sketches. They just improvise through beats, um, which is helpful for like recognizing what the beats of a sketch should be. But, you know, it, it's, you know, you don't get to write a sketch and bring it in. Not usually. Um, hmm. So it kind of lives in this unique middle ground. So um, you mentioned that Rosemary's Other Baby mm-hmm. basically kind of like Frankenstein two groups together. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about Rosem- Rosemary's Other Baby. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. how would you just how how would you describe a show by Rosemary's Other Baby? Um, we hate doing like run of the mill sketch reviews. Um, we just, there's so much of that here in Chicago. Like, you know, I don't even have to go very far. And there's like 12 sketch reviews by some indie sketch team talking about, you know, politics and satire and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I think we really wanted to try doing other things or to try creating like an experience of a show that was a little different or felt unique to an audience. Um, So we tend to write like kind of complicated shows. Um, And um, I think we have a gift for chaos um, that I, 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 it's, it's not, I'm not going to call us alt comedy. I would never do that, but, but it's not, um, it's not traditional either. So like last summer we put up a show called Stages of Grief. Um, and it was essentially, uh, it had a bit of a, like a noises off vibe if you've ever seen that, but it was like a full length farce. Um, Mm. like we took a sketch review, like the pattern and the, um, the running order of like your standard sketch review. And we turned that into a farce. So it was like at the top of our first sketch, like the microphone isn't on and then we pop the microphone on and it's like, okay, everything's okay. And then in the middle of the second sketch, like, uh, Leo, one of our casts like gets a little nauseous and runs off stage. And then like, the sketch review like slowly starts to unravel. And then by the end of the show, like the cast, like we're all like, and we wrote this into the show. So it's like obviously not real or anything, but it was like mm-hmm. such an interesting writing process and um, just a very cool production to put on stage because you could feel the audience being like, whoa, 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 <laughs> like what's happening? Like this sketch review that I thought I was seeing, um, is 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 not what I thought it was going to be, um, which was like a very cool experience for me. And and I was also um, like I was for this particular show, um, we told everybody that I was an understudy. Um, so like there had been another cast member in the show um, who like broke his leg or something, um, and and so I was the understudy, even though like I, I am a cast member of Rosemary's Other Baby, this other person just didn't exist. Um, so stuff like that. And, and for Halloween, we did like a, it was like a Halloween game show. So we'd be like doing sketches and then our director would like sprinkle in like little surprise challenges for us. Like 
um, like there'd be a voice that came over the sound system that would be like Halloween challenge. And we'd have to stop the sketch um, and like do these lay-ons and stuff, um, which is pretty fun. And the show we're working on now is uh, uh, it's like, um, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure uh, show, but it's like as if you were on YouTube. Um, mm. So like suggested vi- videos and stuff will like pop up and the audience can like click which video or sketch really they want to see. Um, so that's that's the show we're putting up next. Uh, so it's, it's like a really... Uh, we have a director who like works with us and um, has been working with us for years, which I think is a really essential part of um, like the shows that we're trying to put up. Like I don't think every team needs that, but for us, like the ideas that we're trying to do are a little um, weird and and usually stuff that none of us have had to navigate before. Um, mm. And so having a director like through the process, like through the, the writing process um, into putting it up on stage uh, is is really helpful uh, for us. And we love her. Her name is Hannah Baker. She's wonderful. You had mentioned that like Saturday Night Live had created such a sense of competition within the comedy world of, of Chicago. Yeah. With and like thinking back about it, like so many cast members, at least in the first because I don't think it's a, a necessarily true anymore, but like for the first 20 or 25 years of the show, mm-hmm. the cast members either came from second city yeah, or the groundlings in, yeah. in LA. LA. Yeah. To the point where I think like in the eighties, uh, second city kind of like fought back mm-hmm. and that's how we got Julie Louis Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. And her annoyance crew mm-hmm. going because Second City is like, no, we want our people. Like, stop yeah. stealing our people. Yeah. Um, how does that like manifest? Because you mentioned like there's mm-hmm. all these like sketch reviews that you you know, and that Rosemary's other baby's trying to do something differently. And as you describe it, it does sound like you are a bit more alt comedy, a <laughs> bit more meta. Yeah. Uh, so how do you all respond to that kind of? Uh, competition that feel of competition in Chicago yeah um I mean I think for us we're just trying to like consider like okay what do do we want Rosemary's other baby to be and and sometimes that involves like a discussion of what we are seeing out in the Chicago comedy scene and being like okay that's that's not what we want to do or um you know just taking a look around and ha- having awareness of what already exists so that we don't just kind of add to the noise. Um, but I mean, in a, in a weird way, like, like there is a lot of sketch in Chicago for sure, but improv is so huge here that I, I think there's not a lot of good sketch (laughs) no offense to Mm. other chicago comedians but um i think sketch teams kind of get thrown to the wayside you know when when people get put on herald teams or whatever the hell it is you know um and it's harder to convince a 
theater sometimes to 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 put up your sketch show um especially because like the annoyance in particular like has a lot of um sometimes if you put up a show at the annoyance uh they'll then own your material um so they can put up that show like they just have archival shows that they do um particularly for sketch um i i had never heard that yeah a, and, a lot of theaters do that which i think is weird but and and i immediately like my ears perked like oh that's i don't like you, that at all yeah i mean <laughs> i mean i mean for a lot of people it works and and like for some people like having the annoyance or whatever theater it is kind of stamped on to your your poster or your show um is helpful and then you know like you have like Mick Napier who's like a really wonderful fantastic guy um you know he now has your stuff and I mean it's not him specifically it's like the whole thing but I don't want to blame him but um yeah and, and they do a lot of really wonderful shows and um a lot of really wonderful musicals as well um like comedy musicals um but I think for us, when we were kind of figuring out what we wanted to do and what we wanted to see from ourselves, it, it involved a lot of like looking at the rest of the scene and looking at what other people were doing, not necessarily in a competitive way, but just like to, to know what, what we wanted to put out there and that we wanted to do something that people hadn't seen before. You know, if I'm going to ask my friends to pay $13 to come see my show at second city, I want to make it worth their while. Um, so I think that's something that, that we think about a lot, but um, I've also seen a ton of sketch shows that are just, you know, really great. And they are just kind of regular sketch shows. Um, you know, so it's about like the, the people involved and, um, mm. and that kind of thing. And there's so much wonderful talent out here. Um yeah, I, I try to really res- resist com- competition and like comparing myself to other people. Sure, but yeah, uh, Rosemary's Baby. Do you generally all perform just perform at the Second City stage, whatever that, that yeah extra we, stages? Yeah, those extra like tr- training center stages. Um, yeah, we've done a couple of well stages of grief. That farce that we did was at, we staged at um, one of the Second City training center stages, but. Um, we've also worked at other theaters like under the gun and um, it's hard to make money doing any of this. Um, And so if there's a theater that won't like take most of the ticket sales, um, we usually go for that option. Um, So like second city, for example, when you sign a contract with them, they take like most, most of the money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That, that's you know, true here in Philadelphia too. Yeah, like, how they operate those huge buildings and stuff, but yeah, where you have to hit a certain benchmark before you're paid. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. Um, but there are other kind of smaller independent theaters that um, sometimes will just they'll be like, "Oh, we'll take everything that we get from the bar, and you can keep everything else." Um, yeah, which is which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, because like, I mean, when I think about Chicago and because, you know, as a person living in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, I really only know Second City, IO, Annoyance. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I know there's I, oh, I don't know what the number is that does Chicago Sketch Fest the stage seven seven three. So, yeah okay mm-hmm. <laughs> you could have made up you could have, you could have said any number and i would have agreed with you yeah yeah <laughs> but then other than that like like after that i feel like chicago's like almost a um like a stand-up town more than that like as an yeah. independent level like how like what's the independent venue scene it's actually the, outside of those other things for sketch comedy yeah there's so many theaters um and I think more so now too, like there are a lot of smaller like music venues that are trying to like get into the comedy scene because um, it is so huge here. Um, but yeah, there's like a, there's like a ton, there's like no shortage of theaters here, um, which is a really wonderful thing because it gives more people enough. I mean, it's probably part of why there's this huge comedy boom um, and there's like 7,000 people, um, you know, <laughs> trying to do this one thing but but yeah I mean I really love kind of working at the smaller independent theaters because mm-hmm. um I just think it fits our our voice better um and which is not to say that we we haven't worked with IO or Second City I mean actually the first kind of run of shows that we did after Sketchcast was we did an 11 week run at IO as part of this um it was like we we would headline um and there were like other indie sketch teams that that would open um nice yeah it was really fun um and it gave us a really good opportunity like you know as we were just kind of forming this Frankenstein team as as you call it um it, it gave us an opportunity to just be on stage every week and to re the idea of the show is that they wanted us to put up new material every week. So we were just like churning out material, um, which was so useful um, and really fun and just like a solid bonding experience right at the top of this. Um, I, th- I think, you know, I, we owe a lot of our existence now to, to that, to that run and to having done that. Yeah, that really sounds like a trial by fire. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. Like, oh, we we want a new show every week for eleven weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're brand new. Go yeah. like. Well, so when we auditioned for this thing, um, part of the like prerequisite that you was like that you had been a team for like at least six months or something, and we had done sketch cast which was like maybe a two month long process and then formed this Frankenstein team. And then like maybe two weeks later did this audition. So we like straight up lied. (laughs) We were like, yeah, of course we've been a team for forever. And it was the first run of shows that we had like as this new Frankenstein team. Um, So it really was like a trial by fire, but it worked. So (laughs) nice. Has Rosemary's other baby, traveled before like um have you, have you all gone as a as a team to perform in other cities or i actually think this is our first festival um nice. we've been applying to a bunch um and and are doing a, a handful like this coming summer but i think this will be our first which is very exciting yeah take that everyone else yeah <laughs> and actually the other day i was looking at um just the festival lineup and i saw these two guys, new team honey bears, like a team, like those two guys I worked with at the pit. 
Like oh, they cool. were staff members at the pit when I was interning there. Um, nice. So it's, it'll be fun. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we are too. Uh, as we wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we've, we've touched on a couple of these things already. Mm-hmm. I have the same two questions. Like it's a little bit of a chance to like get a little deep at the end, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. Maybe a little profound if you really want to, sure. uh, you've gone through second city. You've gone through at least one class at the pit. You've interned at the pit. Mm-hmm. What's something that you've learned? What's something that you've learned from sketch comedy? Uh, it could be something, you know, trick of the trade something about right the actual writing or something that comedies has taught you as a whole like about life as a whole Mm -hmm. that you would pass on to a new writer i think for me especially as um a woman uh, the biggest thing and most helpful thing that i learned was just to write stuff that i wanted to play to write for myself um which doesn't mean that I, I, I can't write <laughs> sketches that have a thousand people in them, clearly. But, <laughs> you know, if I was dissatisfied with the roles I was being given, you know, to make them for myself. Um, mm. to, to write stuff that I wanted to do because nobody else is going to do it for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I felt like especially, oh my God, when I was first starting, I just got handed a lot of scripts and was like, okay, you're the beautiful girlfriend or the like annoyed but beautiful girlfriend or the like angry but pretty girl. And I was like, stop, this is, (laughs) (laughs) those aren't character descriptions. And that's not, you know, it wasn't, it didn't give me an opportunity to shine or to be funny. I was just, you know, somebody else's reflection. Um, so sketch really taught me to, you know, h- how to find my voice because I, I, I needed to know what I wanted to do. Yeah, I think um, a lot of comedy still lives in the tropes that I, I see in, like, in sitcoms mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, kind of chubby funny everyman character mm-hmm. insanely hot wife yeah who gets some laughs but clearly yeah. isn't as funny and like yeah. you know the, the leah remedy to the kevin james kind of mm-hmm. thing like exactly um yeah and it's like i'm not here to to do that i'm here to be funny i'm here to to do stuff and to like push my own limits and to figure out um what i'm good at and having to read, you know, that kind of character, that role over and over again, just became so dissatisfying so quickly. Um, and yeah, that was, I think the biggest thing that sketch has given me was like an opportunity to, um, to, to write for myself, to, to show people what I wanted to, you know, the parts of me that I wanted them to see instead of just reading what other people gave me. And then uh, we we definitely like touched on this briefly, mm-hmm. as you mentioned your uh, I don't know I don't know if you're gonna call it failed or misguided <laughs> sure. or uh, I would say misguided yeah. because I just don't understand how anyone would want to be a biology major. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I don't have that mm-hmm. science brain at all. Mm-hmm. Um, why comedy? Why is this how you're spending your time? Why, you know, well, Rosemary's baby mm-hmm. going through the class system, doing all this stuff. Why is, why is comedy hooked you in right now? That's such a good question. Um, I mean, I think it was that like kind of indescribable feeling that I felt, you know, when I walked through the doors at late night, you know, of everything just kind of clicking of like not really being able to explain it, but feeling right. Um, and, you know, like knowing that, you know, there's a 50, 50 chance that I could be wrong, but it makes me happy and it's fun to do. And there were like few things that, you know, few other things that put me on my toes like that or, um, you know, made me proud of myself. I never thought of myself as the funniest person in the room, but being able to make someone laugh is, you know, so rewarding. And, um, you know, being on stage and feeling that, (laughs) I mean, it's all ego, right? But, (laughs) But feeling that, um, energy or whatever the hell it is, um, just is so fulfilling to me. And, and I think that's why I'm just here for the rest of my life, not getting paid, but (laughs) doing it anyway, you know? Yeah. I think that's all of us. Yeah. For the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, thanks Rose. Yeah. Thank you so much. Rose and the rest of Rosemary's other baby will be coming to Philly Sketchfest on Friday, May 31st in the 7 p.m. block, along with Milwaukee and Savage. Then, when they return to Chicago, Rosemary's other baby is presenting a show called You May Also Like every Wednesday at the Under the Gun Theater. For more details, check out their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rosemary's Other Baby Sketch. And on a personal note, come to Philly Sketch Fest on Thursday in the 8.30 block to see my show Thought Bubble. It's a short one-person show about inner monologues and thought processes. And then on Saturday, live my first sketch during the podcast mixer with a special guest. The podcast mixer starts at 2, but the live my first sketch is at 3.30. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Come to Philly Sketchfest. <laughs>